Hello and welcome in to the third episode of the 3 to 1 podcast. I am your host, Coach Mac, and with me today we have a very special guest. We have Olivia Vea. She is currently the video coordinator for Washington State University. Um, and she, I'll kind of dive into more of her background here in a little bit, but we all call her Oli. Um, she is an amazing, amazing woman, and I cannot wait to share her story and some of uh, her past with you guys today. So, Oli, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, Mac. Thank you for having me. I really oh. appreciate it. Oh, I am fired up to have you here. Um, I know it's been a crazy, crazy time for these past few weeks, but first off, we all know you're Hawaii native, born and raised, and we'll get into that. But what is your kind of first experience living on the mainland in Pullman, Washington? How has that been for you this year? Um, I've, I've been asked that question a lot of times, especially during 2020. Um, the experience has been amazing. I do credit the people here, uh, the community I'm surrounded with, from the coaching staff to uh, support staff, mainly my work family. Like you guys have made it super easy to transition um, into a new place, a place that is I would have never guessed I'd be here in like a lifetime, but I am here and um, it's been great. It's been great, absolutely different. You know, I don't see as uh, as much of my family as I want to, uh, but with that sacrifice comes a lot of opportunity, which I do really appreciate. And I wanna appreciate it for the time that it lasts for as long as this lasts. For sure. For sure. That's awesome. Well, we're blessed to have you. So for some of the people out there who may not know, when they hear the term video coordinator, they may not know exactly what that means. So why don't you kind of tell everybody want everybody what that what that means, what it all entails? Okay, so uh, essentially the responsibility of a video coordinator is to take care of everything video, any type of video need for our coaching staff, our football coaching staff. So um, for me, the way I've operated um, since becoming a full-time coordinator was I need to take care of, say, opponent film, um, any film that, any type of film that will, that our coaching staff will utilize to study, study our team, study our opponents, um, just study technique in any type of way. Um, that is my main focus. Because if I take care of that, if I take care of business in that sense, then anything else that comes with it will, you know, that comes second. But uh, what we've been doing with my staff is uh, we film every single practice uh, from a workout to a walkthrough to a full goal practice um, from fall from fall to the season to spring camp. Um, is basically whenever a coach says they need film, my crew is out there capturing um, a specific assignment, you know, for say a two hour practice from a 30 minute workout to a two hour practice, whatever the case may be. But um, we also, on the flip side, we do tech support. <laughs> we work with a program, a football technolo technology uh, program. And if anything does not work there, we have to be able to fix it or find someone else that can fix it. And um, another part to the job is we do some creative content. I would love to develop that part in our in our current um, staff, but that technically comes secondary, but mm -hmm. it is just as important. Um, we do highlights, weekly highlights of our team, um, matched up against opponents. We wanna excite the team, get them all riled up for the upcoming game and just, you know, do my part to make everyone believe that we could do it, <laughs> encourage them to, be, uh, to go out there and do their best, but it's kind of the, the job at hand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it, she does a wonderful job and for all you guys out there who don't know when she says film a practice or a workout you may be thinking just have one video camera out there filming but there's four to five if not six cameras how many do you have at normal practice how many cameras would you, would you have the base for us is four but we build off of that right so we guaranteed four cameras and then from there based on our daily the daily schedule of a practice we'll add ground cameras here and there. We have a VR camera, virtual reality camera. Um, and we just try to grow from there. But uh, that's really that's really what we try to do. It's pretty amazing. It is pretty amazing. Coming from a small school guy where I've had to be in charge of video, um, it is not a simple and easy task. And you make it look very easy. And um, you get around needy coaches like me who had needs multiple camera, multiple camera angles, you make our lives very, very easy. Yeah. 
it is all good because when I meet coaches that have video coordinated in their past while coaching or having a position, I have all the more respect for you guys because I I stress enough on just my soul department. So to think that I have to teach young men to you know go out there and win on top of making sure that I get all the footage that they need to win. No, no, thank you. <laughs> That's it. Well, we're happy to have you for sure. Um, and you're doing a wonderful job, which we'll talk about multiple times, I'm assuming too. Okay, let's go back to your childhood. Born and raised on the island. Kind of take me through um, what that was like and growing up in Hawaii and all that. Yeah, that uh, Hawaii, man. Uh, yes, born and raised in Hawaii, Honolulu, Hawaii. That's for those of you that don't know, that's the main island, um, Oahu. But um, yeah, born and raised there. My parents, they're from the island of Tonga. So that's in the South Pacific. Um, they migrated to Hawaii. They met in Hawaii and got married there, which was great. Mm-hmm. Um, and that started, Hawaii became home base for us, me and my siblings. Um, I grew up in Kalihi. I'm very much proud of being from Kalihi. Uh, and um, yeah, so sorry. I'm just trying to think of like, what do I want to share from my childhood? But um, I grew up around a very loving family, no yeah. doubt. Very loving family, very supportive family. Um, I have an interesting family structure. Um, but yeah, I, I have to credit my family for just loving on me and my siblings for the time that we grew up there. Because mm-hmm. um, that just laid the foundation for us to just, you know, move forward and keep going. But yeah, Hawaii town, I'm from the town, I'm from the city. So when you think of like paradise and whatnot, I definitely went to the beach here and there, but my beach or my upbringing at the beach was at Waikiki. Um, and that's very much a tourist spot. But I remember the first, I think I remember the first time I went to the beach, that was amazing. And I learned over time that it was Waikiki. And I was like, that is nothing compared to what the island has to offer when you think of like North Shore and, and whatnot. So um, yeah, very much in the city, but surrounded by a loving family mm-hmm. and it's great. Waikiki so that, that was the first beach you went to yeah it really was <laughs> I just remember I I remember certain uh such as um, of course the beach looks different now from mm-hmm. when I was like second or third grade but we just pulled up went into the went into the water and then I I remember climbing on top of my cousin's back to jump off of it I'm not a light girl so <laughs> but I remember those things I'm like geez why and how <laughs> it was just a good time so I love it Waikiki I've been to Waikiki it's a little different I mean, it's just a little different than the rest of you know I've been to North Shore mm-hmm. my favorite beach um on that on Oahu is uh Lanikai Lanikai yes in Lanikai. Kailua my buddy, oh, yeah it's awesome. yeah unmatched unmatched for sure just uh, sorry no, um, your boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so how many uh brothers and sisters do you have so excuse me so I have two sisters okay I'm the youngest girl then brothers I have please excuse me because I don't want to miss anybody Mm. I have five brothers Mm. five brothers um my youngest brother is after me so I'm second to youngest and then my youngest brother is the last out of everyone but um yeah I mentioned that I'm like from a very blended family. I feel like all my life I've had to explain this to people because it just because of like where I'm at. I, I was perfectly mm-hmm. I went to school by myself with none of my siblings until I got to high school. And then I attended high school with two of my siblings, my older sister and then my younger brother. Mm-hmm. We have a different last name because I am adopted by my paternal auntie. I was raised with her family. Um, and that's where I got three brothers. And then between my parents, I got one brother, one sister. Mm-hmm. And then my dad had kids before he married my mom. And that's one brother and one sister. So, so yeah, sorry, very blended. Uh, I feel like for someone who has explained it my whole life, didn't do a great <laughs> job explaining that part. But um, <laughs> yeah. It's all good. Yeah. yeah so that's- Dr. my auntie, uh, I took the veil last name, which technically is my uncle, but um that's my dad like by all means when I say my dad that is my dad um so technically my uncle from yeah through marriage and then uh was raised 
as a Vea in a different household from my younger siblings. And um, yeah, it wasn't until I got to high school, I go to high school with my older sister, younger brother. We were with different last names. Me and my sister look alike, like twins. And mm -hmm. people were like, so what happened here? <laughs> <laughs> and then um, the district that we went to, the high school that we went to, majority of the people there knew my sister, like, you know, from elementary, because it was just the same community. Then I came into the picture and everyone's just like, we've never seen you before <laughs> or never heard of you. But yeah, so it's, it's been great. It's a very, it's a very, can be complicated, but I, over time I've learned to appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. No, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun for your kids one day to figure it oh. all out. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Yeah. Okay, so when did your let's say when did your passion, I guess, for athletics and sports? Because um, you're not, in my opinion, you're not a normal video coordinator because you know about football, you know about the game. Um, where I know some other, you know, they're just all into videos and yeah. Uh, technology so I guess where did your love of sports where did that all start and kind of grow and blossom into where you are now yeah well um growing up in Kalihi my house was like the house where everyone's parent would come to um say on the weekends just everyone hang out play cards gamble mm -hmm. drink for sure and just have a good time um so when everyone when all the aunties and uncles would come over all the kids come over all my cousins were just with each other and we lived in like a, we lived like at, towards the dead end area on Lanakila and it was just gravel everywhere, gravel and then the street. We didn't necessarily have like a um, lawn or grass and whatnot at the front yard, but we just played into the night and hopefully into the morning at best if we were lucky, if everyone was still around. But yeah, we just played basketball, football, whatever, tag, hide and seek, but um just having that fun of like being with your family and playing sports and getting like, I guess, being competitive with each other that just grew into like, as you go into middle school, high school, your cousins go into sports. I, have, I had a few cousins my age go into football, just, and sorry to backtrack a little, every Sunday we were watching NFL football. Yeah. Like, I would skip church to watch NFL football. <laughs> it was it was great. <laughs> and, uh, Super Bowl, like everybody else's household, was just like a party. So, mm -hmm. so we definitely when major sport events happened, even boxing, uh, people were at my house watching and just having a good time. So, um, I grew up just enjoying it to watch. And then, as I got older, I mean, the crazy thing is that I probably love football more than my brothers. Like my younger brother doesn't even like he doesn't care for football. He likes UFC fighting mm -hmm. which is cool I think it's cool and different as well but um yeah just enjoyed watching football um and sports all types of sports and then somehow yeah turning this into a career yeah, yeah. we can get into that that's awesome though like, so you just just kind of were born into it and just loved being athletic and being around you having a big family definitely helped yeah you know just kind of being around sports and um that's awesome though that's great so what about your love of film kind of mm -hmm. or like you know being a video person how did that all you know when did that get started for you um to be honest it was in high school I never I never really cared for like a camera to create film all that type of stuff mm -hmm. um high school we had like this history project it was I think it was like a national history project my junior year me and uh, two other classmates formed a group participated in that project it was like part of the curriculum we did pretty well we went like to the state level and it was based on history I think our topic was um Martin Luther King mm -hmm. and we yeah for, went as far as state level and had we passed or won states we would have gone to Washington DC and represented the state of Hawaii in that competition and just that taste of success was insane. Like people were looking at us like, yo, you guys are doing it. Like and just coming from our high school, which is kind of key high school, like we just like we felt like a small school um would that was just gaining some type of academic recognition. So just that little taste of success and we had to produce a documentary. So that got me into editing. Oh. I was like, yeah, it, it was tough. Um got into that, found success there, went into my senior year had to participate in that same um, history competition. We didn't get as far, we definitely didn't get as far, but we were just, at that point, we were trying different um, avenues of like producing film. And mm -hmm. then when it was time to apply for college, 
I, by default, was like, oh, I want to major in business. And my history teacher was like, hello, you just had like these two years of success in pro producing film. Um, you should try that out. And then from there, I flipped everything. and was just like, oh, I want to be a film director. <laughs> I knew I did. I just, I knew from deep down in my heart, Hollywood wasn't my goal, but yeah. I just that I, I had something that I um, had fun making, I guess, or fun, uh, really, sorry, in the process of editing, I dislike it wholeheartedly. Mm -hmm. Dislike it, but in the end, when you see the final product, it's like, well, it was worth it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that is awesome. <laughs> you still have that uh, documentary that you edit, edited I, somewhere? I'm, I know it's somewhere. See, at that time, we were producing DVDs, like had to burn it to a DVD. Oh, yeah. We were making copies. Even <laughs> the relatives were like, yeah, this won us. This project is they were like, we, I think the, uh, our junior year, we won, our, we won a few cameras for our high school. Like mm. that was a prize, right? We, we'd get a little a little plaque while on top of that our school got like two cameras or one camera that year I think by the end of it by the time we graduated we probably won like three cameras for our eyes we're pretty cool that is pretty cool that is awesome yeah. <laughs> how sometimes you just kind of fall into you know what you yeah. love and what you want to do like I think yeah. that that's that's really really cool so after high school um did you always want to go to UH University of Hawaii or just kind of just fell into that too um, so given my family structure, uh, by the time I was in high school, my auntie that adopted me passed away. I was, in, I was 13 at that time. My biological dad, right. Um, uh, he passed away when I was a sophomore in high school. By the time I was a senior, my older sister that's right above me, she's already a freshman in at UH. Um, and my family structure at that time, I moved back to my biological mom to live in the house with my mom. But, uh, and my dad, my dad slash uncle, he's still alive. He, I, so I moved out of Kalihi, out of his house to go back to my mom. It was just a mutual thing. You know, over time, I believe it was the best thing. So I appreciate that too. But um, for my mom, she didn't want any of her kids to leave her. Like, <laughs> I want to attribute that to, let's say, a cultural thing where my mom just wanted to keep us safe, keep us close to her, technically under her arm. That was something we always joked about. And um, given that my sister was already a freshman in UH and the path that she took to get into UH was very interesting. So I was like, I'm gonna do the same thing. I'll do that. Um, I, I definitely thought of college, always wanted to go to college. I didn't necessarily have a favorite school outside of UH that I wanted to, but I know my senior year, if uh, I was looking back at it, I probably would have just like applied to other universities for the heck of it. If, if what my mom, if how my mom functioned wasn't that way, I probably would have applied and just tested the waters in the mainland. But um, yeah, technically, according to my mom, UH was my only option. But at that same time too, like mentally for me, I was like, oh, I'll go, I'll follow that path because my sister already like laid it down. So I'll just, you know, see where I can go from there. I gotcha. That's, yeah, I get it. Moms want you to stay close. I, uh, <laughs> I went through school that was only 60 miles away from my hometown and before all that I was applying to schools that were thousands of miles away and I got accepted into a few then all of a sudden this opportunity happened for me my I know my mom was fired up and so like you know my parents I was close to home so yeah I get that part of it um okay so now you're in college are you studying video um yes I'm in college I make it clear to my counselors that I want to major in film mm -hmm. uh, but I remember that I decided to like focus on my say core credits for my freshman year. I feel like I had to enroll in the prerequisite film courses. Um, I had an opportunity to probably uh, enroll in that my freshman year, but I remember like, nah, let me take a break from film because I feel like how exhausted I was from senior year of high school. I just needed a mental break from like um, going back into production, I feel like. And yeah. yeah, well, I make it clear to my my counselors, like, hey, I'm, I'm majoring in film. Um, around that time, there was a producer. I, I'm bad at names, but there was a guy who was from Hawaii, then graduated from Iolani High School. He made a name for himself in Hollywood, started producing. I think he was an executive producer for some big time shows at that time. And during that time, um, Lost, the ABC show Lost, was filming in Hawaii. Yeah. Uh, it just felt like film in Hawaii was a growing um, 
a growing avenue for like anyone that wanted to do that. And yeah, I was, I definitely was like, sure, that's, that's still my thing. And yeah. Okay. That's awesome. Lost. Have you ever watched Lost all the way through? No. (laughs) Weird. Like I interned with Hawaii Five-0 by my senior year of college. Uh-huh. I've only watched like maybe two episodes, two full episodes. I can't like, I don't know. It's a weird thing for me. Uh, I know it's Hawaii. Like you would think that, oh, this is Hawaii on a big show, on a big platform. Let's watch it. But I have no real yearning to do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, wait. So you interned with Hawaii Five O? Yeah, for my by this my senior year of college. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I needed like one more internship credit, and those credits are like you have to work. 120 hours in the span yeah. of a semester yeah and, um luckily the opportunity uh presented itself and i and i got it i really thought i wasn't going to and um yeah when they said you got it i was like shoot i'm gonna i'm gonna show you i'll work <laughs> yeah, what, what was what was that experience like um it was cool like it gave me a real taste because of course it's hollywood right it's a cbs production mm-hmm. um, it just gave me like that behind the scenes um, feel of like what it really takes to produce say a 60 minute show, 45 minute show. Um, and then like how many people it takes to actually make an episode possible, let alone a whole series. And um, we shared uh, like, I think every week we will take turns between the production office and on set. So I got a fair, um, fair experience on like different like yeah, different platforms on how to um, be a part of a show or a production. And like my first day, my first day, we filmed in Liliha, which is in my neighborhood. Um, and like of all things, right, I go there and I'm thinking in my head's in the cloud, like, oh my God, what if they need somebody? I'll step in, whatever <laughs> the case is, right? Sure enough, my first day on set, the storyline has to do with quote unquote Tongan pirates. That doesn't exist in real life, but the show the show was about Tongan pirates they were the bad guys right um and they were filming one of the scenes of their like um uh one of their shacks or like whatever their hideouts it was a house in Liliha which is in my neighborhood where I grew up and all of that and uh at some point they were like hey we need one more Tongan person to fill in as an extra like as another bad guy but they needed a guy not a female but when I heard them yell it out I looked around I was like oh my god this might be like whatever I thought was going to happen might happen and instead of taking me they took another guy one of my classmates it was it was cool it was so cool and sorry another cool note Nick Lachey was 98 degrees hottest guy in the group he was a co-star I don't I forget I don't know what role he played in the whole episode but we passed each other a few times and I'm just like standing in my neighborhood working on a show for college for interning like as an internship it's a AG, uh, CBS show Hollywood like everything my worlds were colliding let me just say that. my worlds were colliding before my eyes and it was cool but it was a long day and that was just the beginning of like like showing me what it takes to be in that business and I appreciated it oh yeah oh yeah I bet I bet that was awesome, but also I bet you learned a lot just on like the whole, you you're already putting a lot of work into us with all the documentaries and going through school, but just how much more work it took yeah. to use that type of show, you know, and yeah. I bet it kind of helped create, you know, you're already a very hard worker, but even more, um, you kind of work ethic and everything. If anything, it gave me a headache of thinking of like, if I wanted to produce a show, you know, if I wanted to be that person that created a show, just like. I want to say a headache, first of all, but I just, you know, gave me more insight on like, hey, this is what it really takes versus mm-hmm. saying that's me and I want to be that. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. So how did you get into football? Um, uh, the, okay, football. I have to credit one of my classmates, my high school classmate. His name is Tim. He's still in film right now, but that is, he's my classmate. We both kind of had like the same path of like getting into film in high school but we went into UH together went through the same college program COP love that family they like they gave us opportunity to get into UH and set up us set us up right in our freshman year but uh yeah we both uh majored in film come our junior year I think he applied for an internship to get onto Lost and he didn't get it but he got football and he told me about it I think he just messaged or texted me 
And I was like envious and go, hey, can you get me into like, this is so cool. You know, and mind you, this is like 2011. Yeah. Uh, the glory years of UH football was 2007 when mm -hmm. Cole Brennan was QB, right? And June Jones was head coach. Like, yeah. we're still, we're still in that like dreamland of like, yo, the greatness, you know, we're only like four years, five years removed from that. So for me, I just remembered Hawaii football, like growing up too. So I was just like, yo, let me in, like, tell, like, tell me how I can get in. So he gets the internship. He speaks to the coordinator at that time, Chris Williams. Uh, Chris needed help. Like he needed more people. So took me in. Um, we both went through orientation with him. I filled out my paperwork to, Tim and I both filled out our paperwork to get internship credit for this job opportunity. Yeah. Uh, at the start of fall, so we start fall camp. After our first practice, I'm exhausted because we are filming in the sun. Oh yeah. But I'm still with it. Like I'm like, this is cool. Like if I'm gonna get internship credit, I'm gonna do this. And my friend Tim bails on this, <laughs> bails on this internship. He just like ducks out. Uh, Chris is like the coordinator at the time. He's like, hey, what happened to Tim? And I'm just like, I don't know, but I'm still here, so let's go. So um, yeah, I, I participate in fall camp. I work with them as a volunteer, basically. Mm -hmm. I apply for the internship credit or like for that class come the fall semester. My program denies it, says that it doesn't qualify as an intern, as an internship opportunity. And I was like, okay, I, I get it. It's probably semantics and how they considered, what they considered an internship, a valid internship and so forth. But I remember when I didn't get the credit, I was super bummed, but I was like, hey, I'll just stick with it. Like, we'll see where this goes. So I stayed on as a volunteer for the 2011 semester or 2011 or 10, sorry, 2010 season. And uh, yeah, I just worked my way up from there. And it was the best move in my life, I gotta say, <laughs> thus far. <laughs> I love it. And you were a volunteer and let's just paint the picture of a volunteer video filmer. I know what those people are like. Oh, yes. I mean, in practice, you go and you stand up on the lift or whatever, mm -hmm. whatever, the school has yes. a rooftop, a rooftop? Yep. <laughs> no guardrails nothing oh, <laughs> only in Hawaii yes. um, and you just you just film for two and a half hours a day in the sun and you have to be on point because if not then you know you're letting you know and my I look as you're letting players down coaches down and then you get in trouble too yeah so you had to have some days where you were struggling um Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, um, there were days I, I was a volunteer for that year. Someone was the lead. I would, I was put at end zone and end zone was the, for me, the easiest thing ever. I mean, uh, according yeah, it, end zone to me is still easiest, the easiest um, responsibility. But, um, for me, it was like, that's when I started to sacrifice family time or like, you know, events or going out. Yeah. Uh, for practice time and games and so forth. And games were still fun. They still are fun for me now. But I just remember on weekends where, like, looking back at the, say, like, the 2010 season, me being a volunteer, like, even though I was a volunteer and um, things came up on the weekend, I was like, sorry, guys, I'm not available. I'm going to the game. Like, I just took it that serious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now that I'm in this, in this role, for me, like, I get, I, if anyone, okay, up until now, I've been working with volunteers. Like my whole crew in Hawaii has been volunteers, built with volunteers. So I gave them the leniency of like, hey, if you're not available, you're not available. Like, you're like I won't hold you to it, right? And not that during that time, Chris Williams was holding me to anything. No, he was just like, yeah, can you please be here? And if I was, I was. And if I wasn't, I wasn't. But I was there most of the time than not. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I remember waking up early mornings. Those were tough. When the weather was bad, raining and all that, that was tough. And then, um, yeah, we've had some crazy stuff go down. Like, yeah, just thinking about it all. Yeah. <laughs> some people wouldn't last. Like, people definitely wouldn't last if you come in as a volunteer uh, filmer. And even if you're paid, like, some people just wouldn't. Yeah. It's not for many. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, it can be a rough life, especially as, you know, as you know, being a volunteer, not getting paid, going out there, you're behind the scenes. Yes. You, know, you don't get a lot of credit. Um, no one notices when you're there, but when you're not there, everyone notices because there's no film. Yeah. Yes. So kind of 
So you volunteered in 2010 and you just wanted to, you loved it, fell in love with it, wanted to keep going. Uh, Kind of take me through the next, I saw you got promoted to a GA. Yes. That's right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, So uh, I got promoted to a GA in the 2012 season. Okay. Coach Norm Child got hired. I want to say in January, I could be completely wrong about the dates, but it was right before signing day. So uh, yeah, towards the end of January, early February, um, Norm Chow was hired in, or at least he was in office by then. But um, by 2011, I was, what was I? I know I was a postgraduate intern, something like that. I got credit to take classes and I was always planning to go into a master's program. So things were working out, but yeah. By 2012, when Norm Child staff came in at that time, there wasn't a video coordinator, a full-time coordinator in position to um, at least help with the transition. Um, Chris had something going on, but uh, technically at that time, I was the only video person on campus and in the building able to help. And I still consider myself a student. Uh, I had just finished with my, yeah, I just finished my undergrad degree. I was taking classes. All the classes I were taking were intentionally for a master's program, like a prerequisite and all that. But um, yeah, the transition happened. I was the only video person there for coaches that were leaving and coaches that were coming. I learned Exos. I had to learn the necessity of Exos just to get these coaches in and out of the building, you know, whether they were leaving on to other schools and coaches that were coming in and trying to get, you know, hit the ground running. And uh, I remember after signing day, uh, I produced like the signing day video for our booster club dinner at, um, the night of signing day. And after we played it, uh, Coach Chow showed me a lot of love. He was just like, hey, I just want to say thank you to Oli. And at that time, everyone was like, where's Oli? Who's Oli? And I was like, hi, I'm here. Like, no one knew me. And it didn't, that was totally fine. I didn't need anyone to know me. I didn't even need credit. I was just like, at the end of it, I was so happy that I got done with the video. But uh, uh, Coach Chow just looked at me. He's like, Oli, please just hang on with us. Don't worry, I'll take care of you. And at that time, I didn't intend to apply for the full-time position. The thought crossed my mind. But then again, getting my master's was priority at that time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, when he just mentioned to me, like, hang on, he'll see what he can do for me. I was like, shoot, I'm with it. Like, I'm still home with my family. I got my degree. You know, I, I got that chapter of my life out of the way. So I was very open to, like, what came about. And then sure enough, I got the GA position um, probably by mid-spring. I, yeah, we, I remember paper, processing paper to get that, make it official. And it was cool. Super cool. <laughs> that, that is cool. And let's, for all you who don't understand, when a staff changes and new people come into a new staff, um, they all bring the film with them and they want their film uploaded into a system that we call Exos. Mm-hmm. And, and the coaches who are leaving want their film downloaded so that they can take it with them to their new job. Um, and it is a process. And, uh, so Ola put a lot of work into that. I can guarantee you that right oh, now. Yeah. I was telling coaches are needy sometimes. I was telling coaches like what to buy. I was like, hey, um, I think you need to buy this external hard drive. And they're like, oh, well, how much should I spend on it? And uh, I'm pretty sure external drives for like a terabyte and stuff was like going at $100 or something. It was, you know, I just felt in a weird space. Like I'm telling a full-time coach, like, hey, coach, go to Best Buy and get this $100 hard drive, bring it back to me. And then I'll, you know, for them to entrust for me first to learn how like to believe what I'm saying to learn what I'm saying right and to trust in that and then tell them and them to trust me all that it was great uh, if I needed that I needed that to be here right now so it's yeah I want to look back at it it was a good time <laughs> <laughs> I bet I bet that year and like those few months were probably like it where you grew a ton yeah and, you know you took a chance you felt and then you just the chance was kind of given to you and you just took a hold of it and made it yours and it worked out for you. Now you're here. So you became a GA, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. How long were you GA for? Oh, Lord. I I probably ran that GA ship until <laughs> the clock ran out <laughs> to the ground, actually. I think I was technically in GA for like three years. Okay. How, that, how that's possible, I don't know. Uh, I'm pretty sure, you know, people made things work for me. Uh, I know it had to take a coach's approval and all that. But mm-hmm. uh, I stuck around until, say, the 2015 season and during that time it got kind of gray but I went from a GA position to a paid intern um and I was still trying to get through school (laughs) still trying to get through school and like that's when that's when the transition for me was like 
I still love school. I still want to get this master's, but this job here is still very entertaining. And mm-hmm. um, whether I want to admit it or not, I gave the job more attention than I did academics. Um, and yeah, I think time ran its course and it was just like, you, cl- you clearly like have given a lot to this to this position and I invested a lot. And, and I did that sometimes at the sacrifice or a lot at the sacrifice of my um, master's, my journey for my master's. But yeah, yeah, I was there for like, I was officially probably a GA for like three years. Gotcha. And into like a paid intern. Gotcha. Let's yeah. just say you were focused on your career and your master's. Yeah. You kind of just, you <laughs> I was focused you. on a career. <laughs> it was for me necessarily, but yes, I was focused on a career. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So you volunteered making no money. Yeah. Then you GA'd. Do you remember how much money you were making at the GA? 1200 a month. <laughs> remember that? When that stipend check hit, I was like, I'm paid. <laughs> I'm out here. <laughs> 1200 a month yeah that was why is not a lot of money bro like uh yes that's why i give credit to everyone around me because i was at home living with my mom and my siblings mm-hmm. my mom took care like my mom was the bread the breadwinner for our family so she held it down i mean strong talking woman she held it down for us and she gave like honestly she did everything that she was doing gave me and my siblings the opportunity to do whatever we wanted, you know, like essentially whatever. And for me, that whatever was like spend time with football, you know, like um, become a GA, make that much for a month and struggle for that much for however long, for three years, you know, she, that, that sounds horrible, but she gave us that chance to like no. go through that struggle versus like whether she forced, I mean, oh, over forcing us to like, Hey, get a job and help support this household or Hey, don't believe in that because that's you know x y and z that's not gonna get you anywhere but she didn't do that she just let us be and, yeah. yeah no i think that is awesome this is gonna be something that you're gonna do it's hard you know i think you know you may not have known it but you're kind of chasing a little bit of a dream and your mom oh, let yeah. you chase it and uh and that's something you're gonna take on to your kids and you know oh, i know yeah. one of a coach told me one time he goes mac getting to the whole football profession is hard so mm-hmm. take whatever help you have. Don't be ashamed of it to take the help. And then one day you'll pay them back someday. Like it's just whether with money or just with thankfulness, whatever it is. Um, and that's what your mom did for you. And it's going to be, you know, yeah. I bet you tell her thank you all the time. Cause now look at Oh you. yeah. My mom knows it. I mean, she's, she, my mom's a G <laughs> at the end of the day, when we're just sitting at home, looking at each other, she's like, you know, you guys are there. You guys were, you guys are where you're at because of me. Yeah. <laughs> we're just like, geez. Okay. I'll give you that. Like I can't, can't back talk that although I know what I put into this right but yeah, yeah. I'm able to put in what I put in thus far because because I had a strong foundation at home mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. okay so you're done being a GA paid mm-hmm. intern when do you get the promotion to being the full-time video coordinator at Hawaii so I, I remember my start date was August 1st 2016 that was technically the first day of fall camp but um <clears throat> I was, I was, I've been with the program, like, Rolo, I think Rolo comes in into Hawaii by, like, November 2015. Mm-hmm. We're all just in limbo of, like, what's the next move, you know? Even, like, okay, before he's hired, even when he gets here, we're just, like, I know he's trying to sort things out for the team, and everyone's just working to, like, you know, keep the ship afloat, technically, and get it, get it to sail the way Rolo wants it to sail. Um, I believe we go through spring ball. Yeah, we get through spring ball. Um, the coordinator at that time, so my boss at that time, she got let go, I think somewhere in spring, not exactly sure. Um, she got let go and then the, the position presented itself. I applied. Um, I was just like, yo, <laughs> if, this ain't a, if this ain't a sign or if this ain't an opportunity that I take, then whatever happens afterwards, like it's not, it's on me. You know what I mean? It's like, I can't blame nobody else, you know? And I just found peace in that and um, taking that risk and applying and I did it and thankfully and I'm very appreciative of Rolo taking that chance on me because I'm pretty sh- the cool thing was in 2010 Rolo was the OC in Hawaii at UH while I was working there as a student and um I want to say he be- he still remembers me from that time we shared some laughs about some funny stuff like for yeah there's some <laughs> funny stuff that just was like oh my god this is me in football but yeah yeah 
So I, yeah, I, the things just lined up the way it did. And mm-hmm. by the grace of God, by all means, yes. I've never mentioned him once yet, but I know this all the tributes to him. So um, yeah, very appreciative of the opportunity. And I just took it knowing that whatever happens, happens and just go on from there. I love it. That's I mean. Do you remember, so you remember your start date? Yes. That it's a big thing sometimes when you go from being a GA to a full-time spot. Do you remember uh-huh. your first paycheck? Oh, I remembered it. I remember the contract, everything. So first of all, I'm probably, I don't care that I'm sharing. I, for me, I'll share it. Like, I remember my contract said that I'm supposed to get four grand a month. And I was like, holy smack. I went from 1200 a month to four grand a month, right? Then yeah. you go and put in, you account for taxes, all these deductibles, all your benefits, all that. It turned into 1200 every two weeks. Mm. Yeah. So I definitely got less than 4,000. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And I'm saying, okay, I'm saying this is like understanding that everybody complains about taxes. I get it. Like what? I was still like my first, my first check came in. I was like, yo. <laughs> oh my God. Oh yeah. I remember that. I remember that. I remember, uh, I mean, in the long run, you're getting paid double, but the same thing happened to Chaz and I, I got a new job. I was uh, getting promotion as a demons coordinator it yeah. was I was making my old job. I was making about you know eight thousand dollars more, so it wasn't a huge pay pay raise or anything. But we went there, health insurance and um, everything's just more expensive in this town. I'm making less money than I was making at my old job that I left just because of health insurance and taxes, and mm-hmm. I was I was so upset. But at the same time, I was like, all right. No, there's a there's a fair level of like disappointment and just like when you start to look at the breakdown I'm like oh my god they took out this much my yeah. stock check they never took out anything like <laughs> although it was once a month like <laughs> yeah. I got a clean 1200 from that versus <laughs> like two weeks yeah after deductible deductibles and get that for every two weeks but oh my gosh I sound that I say that sounding very like oh what is that uh unappreciative of what yeah. what, what the bigger scheme was but yeah I think everyone has has to go through that. Gotcha. All right. So what was so you worked your way up? You're basically making no money for six years. Worked your way into this spot. Now mm-hmm. you're in charge, um, and you actually get to run like be in charge of people. Um, yeah. You know, because within the video coordinator, you have people underneath you that you're in charge of that help you get things done and film. Mm-hmm. What do you think the biggest thing you learned from going, you know, maybe second in charge to first in charge? What was the biggest thing you learned during that time? Um, I guess thing I learned, I, I want to say like, there's, I don't, okay. For me overall is learning how to deal with people. That was just a constant thing for me because essentially the way our department was structured in Hawaii was that I worked with volunteers. I didn't, my department did barely had any money to buy new equipment. We never had enough money to staff, uh, an entire video crew. So my entire crew were, so the way I got a crew was I put out Craigslist ads. I posted flyers in the dormitory, try to post around the community. Um, just every, any type of platform that I can think of, I posted, right. And then whoever responded, they came from all walks of life. I took in people that didn't even know football mm-hmm. and like barely knew how to operate a camera on top of that, right. Like to get somebody that loved football, knew how to function with a camera and then just give them a practice, um, schedule and then tell them hey record this from period one to 20 take care of that and then fully trust them to do that oh my gosh I and that that was just I had to learn how to communicate with people from different walks of life break down the game to them break down the game of football break down how to work a camera and then on top of that how to operate a scissor lift because we are going like 30 feet into the sky right and then how to be professional amongst the coaching staff you know, and for me, it was like, I never wanted to look like a hot mess to everyone outside of the video. Like mm-hmm. if they looked at us, I just wanted us to look like, okay, we're, you know, taking, we're taking every challenge and just executing left and right. But really on our side of things, I'm pretty sure I ran around like a chicken's head that was cut off. Like at times I tried my best to, you know, keep it cool. But I just knew that I was the one that had to have all the answers and I had to provide all the answers to my staff. And then figure out how to communicate to each and every one of them in a way that they could understand it and then keep everybody on the same page. That was, that was a struggle. It still is a struggle, but I know I've grown since, since I would like to think I've grown since my time in Hawaii. 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely have. Definitely have. And obviously paid off because weren't you a video coordinator of the year in the Mountain West? Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> yes, I was. <laughs> I can't tell you, like, I, I don't want to, oh my God. Okay. There's so many things I feel about that award. Like it came at a perfect time. Yep. This was by the time, I, well, when I got the call from our, um, I believe it was Chris Miller, who was the video coordinator at uh, Air Force. He, mm-hmm. I don't know what the right term is, but he was basically like the, I think our liaison between uh, Mountain West coordinators and CSBA, which is like the Collegiate Sports Video Association. So like the overbearing, um, uh, I guess, organization. Yeah. So that was just like our little group. But yeah, he gave me the call. I'm still in Hawaii trying to figure out my current situation with the new coaching staff there under coach Todd Graham. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember, I think I was talking to coach Todd Graham about an assignment or something. I get a message from him um, through the, from Chris Miller through uh, Facebook messenger. He's just like, Hey, you got time to talk? And I was like, well, let me hit you up in a few minutes. I go to my office. I'm sitting down and I just call him. I was like, Hey, what's up? And he's like, Hey girl, I just want to let you know. Congrats on winning, yada, yada, yada. And I just leaned back. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> like, I didn't, I didn't want to believe it. Uh, yeah, it was. I was going through so much emotions. And at that time, it helped validate. Like, I felt like it validated my time in Hawaii. Yeah. Not knowing that that was going to be, you know, essentially be my last couple months there. Like, <clears throat> it really did just put like a little, it's like a cherry on top of icing on the cake of just like, oh my God, all these years of just like, you know, finding trying to make it through every practice, every camp and so forth and season, uh, just like executing and doing it the be- to the best of my ability. Yeah, it felt freaking good. It felt <laughs> freaking good. <laughs> I, and I, and, and, and uh, for, cause essentially it's your conference coordinators that have to vote, right? And if you win majority of the vote, obviously you win video coordinator of the year. So for them to vote for me or for me to get majority of the vote, so to speak, like, like, I appreciate it because all these guys, I consider them OGs in the game. And I have easily called each and every one of them from um, Bill Guerin at Utah State to Murph at San Diego State, Chris Miller, um, Chris Cooks, too. He was at New Mexico. I need, to, I need to give all of them credit because when I came in at 2016, I was calling everybody. I was calling everybody like, hey, like I could do the daily operations, but just to, you know, expand and get better at like the bigger picture, I... I relied on a lot of them. So, yeah. yeah was, I, oh, my God. <laughs> it was a great three weeks, but honestly. <laughs> I know. I know. I can just – and you just still giving credit to other people is why, you know, you're just one of those good people in the profession. And you're getting – you know, you earned this award. You obviously did something right, and everyone saw that. Um, but you're still giving credit to everyone else. And that's why, you know, I think you're special and why you're on 3 One Podcast. Hey. But – um. <laughs> Oh Lord, that's awesome, Molly. And I was I was fired up. And I just remember when I first got this job, mm-hmm. I just remember just saying how we just you know in uh, our old video coordinator left, and mm-hmm. I just remember Coach Gobi is talking about how much how awesome you are, how you need to get here. And I didn't know how it was going to happen, and COVID happened, and all that stuff. Then yeah. I know you're here, and it was awesome. Yeah, uh, but I'm just I'm just fired up that now you're kind of in my life, and I get to talk to you every day. So Yo, the feeling is mutual, Max. You tell me like by January 2020 that I was going to be this like this whole new family of people like I wouldn't not that I would have believed it but I just would have felt like it's hard to believe or hard to see but I have the feeling is mutual Mac like I'm very much <laughs> I'm very much enjoying Pullman because of you guys yeah <laughs> okay so this question I'm gonna kind of get into a leadership question but you've been around some different coaches mm-hmm. right? and you've got to kind of observe I know you're doing your own thing but kind of observe different coaches talk um how they motivate how they teach um you know how they're organized what's some like the some lessons you've learned I guess from you know some of these coaches that you get to see all the time what are some biggest lessons you've learned from them and kind of how they you know go about living their lives and teaching young men yeah um uh, do you think okay I'm gonna I'm processing the question but I'm also like I don't want to whatever I say I say this uh, like about particular coaches I say this like with the best intention I don't want it to come off wrong so like yeah, you don't have to say their names either you can just say different things you learned and what you liked well um 
Because as you asked the question, the one thing that comes to my mind are like the head coaches that I served under. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I worked under Coach Mack. I wasn't super close with the staff, but I was around enough. Um, and then I went on to Coach Chow, then Rolo, and then for a little bit under Todd Graham. And I want to say like between, let's say like from Chow to Rolo now, um, and like with my short time with Todd Graham, like each of them preached love for the team love for the team, love for the staff, for the players, for the game of football, like each like underlining message was always love for everything around you, right? Whether whether football was your main focus or the people that you love was your main focus and, and the main reason why you were doing this, like they all preached love, but they preached it different ways, right? Um, mm-hmm. Coach Chow, like, and this is my perspective, like I saw Coach Chow as like the the loving grandpa that just wanted the best, the wanted the best and wanted everything for the players, you know, how he went about it. He was, he definitely had a level of discipline to him that I want to say was like quote unquote old school. And about, and I'm saying this beyond how he functioned because it was just how the staff functioned in general, like GAs, RGAs used to sleep in the office because of the amount of work they did. Like mm-hmm. they had their little beds rolled up under the table just because they just knew this work was like too much. They had to stay there. Then comes Rolo and his, and again, he preached love. And it was like that fun type of love where it was like, guys, you got to love the game of football to, you know, last in this business. And um, he was also very honest on like uh, what you have to sacrifice to be successful in this game, whether you're a coach or a player but he made the game for me, like, or at least from how I saw it, like it was a more playful, young, fun type of vibe, but still with the importance and emphasis on love. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then Todd Graham was just, it was tough. It was tough. Like he, his message and his, and his, um, his message about discipline and toughness and whatnot, it was an everyday thing, no doubt, everyday thing. And yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and like for him, it was just, it was just like, okay, the so one thing I remember from Todd Graham, which made me like want to reflect on myself was just, I want, he was telling our stuff like, I want your best. I want your best. Um, and sometimes your best might not even be good enough. Like, but he said it, you know, with more passion, with way more conviction, con- what is the word? Conviction. Conviction, yes. Yeah. yeah. He said, yeah, way more passion, way more conviction. And of course he's lived for me, from what I understood, he's lived by these models for like years. Right. So he understood it for himself, but like, that just told me, like, I just told me like, yo, um, you should do your best every day. It was just a reminder, especially after four years being full-time and then, you know, X amount of years just coming up in the business. It was a good refresher. of just like, do my best and just know that sometimes my best might not be good enough just for, especially in that moment where I was like, I felt like I was in limbo because I didn't know what my contract was going to be like for those that don't know the business, but just in the transition of like who was held over, who was let go, who decides to move on and so forth. So it was just like, and it just told me like, just try my best, do my best and continue to do my best. And, and maybe that was maybe over all the years, that was my whole thing was just like, do your best and say that that's what I preached to my staff too was like yo I don't want to be the problem in this program like when we lose I don't know I've said this all the time to my staff it was like <laughs> I've had, I've been I've been in some of the like the dark years of Hawaii football right and then yep. when Rolo came around we won went to like three bowl games won two rings like I got that taste of winning and I was just like I don't want to ever lose you know <laughs> but in the time that we did lose uh, whether it was with Rolo or Coach Mack or Coach Chow, it was just like, I want to be confident in the fact that my department did all that we could to help the team win. And if I feel like we did do that, then that's all that mattered, regardless of the result and regardless of what anyone said, right? Because if you miss a play, then it becomes a problem and someone raises that issue. But, and and I understand, and that came with like understanding, like we all make mistakes, right? But still, that technically is unacceptable yeah yeah no. <laughs> i don't know sorry i'm like going around circles but if, no, if you're any- great. Yeah. no i i completely agree i think you said it very well and um you know you, you got to be around a lot of guys who've done it at a high level and are great at teaching and whatever their culture is and they might be centered around the same values but everyone is different and goes about teaching it differently yeah. um 
I think it's awesome. So, you know, one thing I've noticed about you Ole, is that your you know, task isn't too big for you. Like I know now that like, you're in charge of uh, the video staff and, you know, you're not necessarily in the lifts anymore. Um, you're the one getting stuff coming down. And I, but, um, but I always see you doing other things too. And so I have a big, I have a belief that servant leadership is the best form of leadership. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I've written multiple papers. I've done different studies on different forms of leadership, but I want to get your opinion. You don't, just because I said that doesn't mean you have to agree with me. You can definitely disagree. But when you think of leadership and if you think if, if you like servant leadership, whatever, what do you think is the best way to lead people? You, know, you get to lead, how many, how many people are in your staff right now? Oh, right now we're about like five, including my full-time assistant. Gotcha. So you have about six people. So that's still, that's a, that's a decent amount of people to lead every day. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think is the best style to lead them, to get them to be their best? Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, I totally believe in like serving others. Like I, I not, and it's not just because you agree to it. Like I come from <clears throat> this and what is that? We've okay. At least in the past two to three weeks, I've attended Bible study, right? Or athletic Bible study. Um, sessions in it's helped me to just like hone in more on my thoughts and whatnot and who I am and we I think one of our recent conversations was just like being a part of the body of Christ and it's like you have and I can't even I don't even know the bible verse but it's just like um everybody serves a different serves a different purpose but we're all part of the same body and my whole thing is um and being that I'm like the youngest girl, second to youngest overall, I've never grown up in the environment where I had to be the one with all the answers. I was the servant, <laughs> if anything. I was the servant. And uh, I sat back and not that it was just per- like, not that I always, not that I was ever the perfect servant and not that I, um, what is that? Wanted to lead? I don't know. I was never perfect. Just know that. Like if someone told me what to do, I wasn't always like, yes, I'm going to do it. And then go on about my way. I was never always like that. Right. I, I definitely fought back. I definitely was disobedient at times and just, you know, had my own, own opinions um, in comparison to my siblings or whoever was leading. But I came like for me being the second to last and youngest girl, I've always told this. I feel like in, in talking with my older, my older sister, I was just like, I get that. I get why I'm not the oldest girl. I get why I'm not the oldest overall. I understood my purpose in like being the number that I am <laughs> amongst my siblings, you know? And like, um, I think, I feel like understanding that role has um, helped me to understand from a position of like, say my students, um, just knowing that, and also starting from the bottom, technically in this business, oh. I know what it takes. I've been through some stuff. I've had to edit and film in a lift for an entire practice. And I've had to organize uh, my staff in a way that makes that possible for myself, right? So I feel like personally, I've done, been there, done that in this profession because I have that confidence um I have I am able to lead my students I'm able to lead my staff but I feel like I'm going all over the place but it's just like no, you're good mm-hmm. it's just like and what is that because I know where I've been and what I've done thus far I'm pretty confident in like telling my guys hey film this from a to z mm-hmm. and you know with minimal um minimal mistakes and whatnot and it's like I feel like if ever they, not that they were, anyone has ever questioned me or whatnot, but it's like, I feel like I'm coming from a place of knowledge and a place of confidence where it's like, you can ask me, ask me questions about this and what we're doing. And I can, um, I can find the answer. I might have the answer. And if I don't, I'll go find it and whatnot. But like, I just feel like my upbringing has like, because I come from a role of a servant, the way I see it from a role of a servant, like I, and, and on top of that, my older siblings, not that anyone was perfect and not that anyone was completely trash, but we, I've, I've had um, strong, I have a lot of strong leaders in my family. I also have some that went about their own ways and led their own things. So like I took, I absorbed, you know, the good and bad from all types of mistakes and accomplishments that my older siblings have had. So like, 
I don't know, I just felt like I've been in a great place where I could be the servant, I can watch leaders lead, and then also be in a place where I can form my own way of leading and whatnot, but I'm sorry, Mac, you just tell me, keep asking me stuff because I feel like I didn't answer the question. I just went on about my own conversation. Just sorry. <laughs> no, oh, you are, you are great. And you, you just, um, and you may not see this. I just, I can see it. Just you have knowledge and that's definitely going to help, but your people are so willing to do stuff, but it's because of the way you care about them and the way you treat them. Um, and that, that's your way of serving them. And, my, and just from my little brief of time of how I've got to observe you, um, you're very gentle in the way, like if someone needs to be talking to, they just, I'm wrong. You're very gentle in the way you say it, but you're stern at the same time, uh, which I think is a gift. You know, that's how my wife is to me a lot. So, um, but you know, <laughs> I think sometimes I think of how I was as a, as a servant, <laughs> If I got a, if I got a stern talking to from a leader <laughs> or, you know, I think of ways of like, you know, I wish someone would have, would have um, I guess, communicated with me in a better form, a better way. And I'm just like, you know, I'm gonna take that. I'm gonna take that. I'm gonna do that and not repeat, you know, stuff that I disagree with or experience coming up. For sure. For sure. Okay. I've taken a lot of your time. So this is my last question, hopefully, unless you spark something else in my mind, but so Oli, you've, you've kind of taken a journey to get to where you're at now. Um, you're making good money, I believe, from what I know. Um, but it started off, you know, you were a volunteer, kind of worked your way into this profession, didn't make any money for a while. Um, you were young. You've taken a few risks. I know there's been ups and downs um, in your career. I know especially when coaches change and it turns over, you don't know where you're at. There's a lot of uncertainty. But um all everything you've done is probably has happened because God has a plan, but there's been a reason and all the time and effort you put into it. Right. But what advice would you have looking back at your younger self or just someone young who's trying to chase their dreams? What advice would you give them? Oh, uh, <clears throat> I think of this question. I'm, I, a lot of times I'm like, I've, or at least I've noticed lately, it was just like, try not to be cliche, but really, I mean, even if I'm not trying to be cliche, I I don't want to be concerned about being cliche. That's what I'm trying to say. It's just, it feels easier said than done, but it's like, don't give up. (laughs) Like, like don't give up. Like, that is really it. Um, I mean, I feel like I can go go on about other things, but um, I feel like I need to give this a lot more attention than just that because you're good that's that's great advice you don't have to I mean it's it's true though don't give up and you know I think you know you weren't afraid to chase after something you enjoyed you know even though you didn't know you loved it at first you know you just you figured it out you know you kind of like oh I'm all about this even after being in the hot sun day one um I've had some burn um some bad sunburn stories like (laughs) (laughs) That's why why I'm long long sleeve gang all the way, but yes. But um, yeah, I mean, like, I I think as you're talking, I'm thinking of like how you say like being different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like, don't get like, I, not that I want to say lead with being different, but it's just like lead in the, like go in the path that you want to go in. And if it is different, don't be afraid. Like, don't be, don't be afraid that it it is different because what I did was different too. Like, it's not like I, had another Tongan that was in this business is particularly in video coordinating, right. Mm-hmm. Um, that I was just like, Oh, I want to be like that person, you know, and, and let alone another video coordinator that I wanted to follow a coordinator's path that I wanted to follow. It was just like, I don't know where this will take me. <laughs> I don't know these waters. Um, but it's like, just go on the path that you want to go in and, and just like, ultimately, yeah, don't give up. But it's like, if it, if you find yourself in different waters, don't be afraid. Like, don't be afraid and just go with it. Just go with it. Cause in the end of the day, if it doesn't work out, it's like, at least you can say that you tried. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. tried. And it's, if you never gave up, then shoot, it's nobody's business to feel any type of way about you. For sure. Great advice. It's great advice and be, be different. You know, we were talking about that before we came on the air and uh, I truly, truly believe in it. So, um, well, all right, Oli. Well, I appreciate it. I've taken enough of your time. Um, I appreciate you and your time, man. Like, thank you for giving me this. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh my um, God. <laughs> you, you are awesome. And there's a reason why I wanted you on this. Cause I think 
you know, you have a great story just about, you know, where you came from, um, your family, you know, growing up, how you fell into this profession and into film in general. And then, you know, the journey you've taken to get to where you're at. And now you're a Pac-12 video coordinator. And that's, that's pretty awesome. No matter who, if people don't know what that is, you still have Pac-12 video coordinator on your resume. That's pretty awesome. And yeah, um, I, appreciate that, I think you do a lot of great things and a bunch of video coordinators out there do a lot of great things that go unnoticed that make um, a football program run. And really, you know, I, I think you guys are the reason why football programs can run. And honestly, I always think about this when you're recruiting kids, if you're a high school filmer out there, don't take it seriously. Cause every, every time, you know, a reason a kid gets um, recruited is because of his film and someone has, someone's behind that camera filming him play. And so I think it's always, it's very, very important or a lot of these kids wouldn't be playing college football. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know? <laughs> so that's how I always think about it too. And just, you know, it's all this stuff. It's just, and you guys do an amazing job and um, make our lives very, very easy. So again, I appreciate you, Oli. I'm very thankful. I get to hang out with you and you teach me stuff every day. And yeah, I, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you, man. Thanks for the opportunity. Just know this feeling is mutual. Very much appreciative of you, man. And thank you to the 3-1 podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes, ma'am. Well, again, thank you guys. Uh, this is another episode of the 3-1 podcast with Olivia Vea call her Oli for short. Um, and we'll see you next time.